0: Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. There's a high level of anticipation that comes with Christmas, that comes with this season, and whether it's the time off of work, or it's the food, or it's the Zoom calls with family, uh, or... It's the presents, and maybe in particular, it's the presents. We're looking for the treasures of Christmas a lot of times, and either giving or receiving. And maybe you have questioned your ability to find that perfect gift this year in this COVID season. I just want to let you know this morning, I'm here to help you. I have a a COVID gift-giving guide for us few last-minute gift ideas. Maybe you'll find that one treasure that you're looking towards. And the first is this, to kind of put 2020 in context, it's just a 2020 dumpster fire ornament for your tree. Uh, this is $16. It will just remind you of all the beautiful things that have happened this year and how you've gotten through it. And if you want to keep in this ornament kind of idea, there are beardaments, so that you can carry your ornaments with you everywhere. I will never be able to wear beardaments because I don't have that uh, gift. But these are $10 online. The next thing I was looking at is called the UFO umbrella cap. Uh, it had a much better name than, than what it actually is. And I don't know why you wouldn't just wear a raincoat. But uh, it looks like maybe the cone of shame that a dog would wear. But that's uh, $8.99 online. Maybe you've been asking yourself this question. Maybe you own chickens and you're thinking, are my chickens getting enough recreational fun? Well, you can get a chicken swing, yes, from an organization called Foul Play. Perfect. I don't necessarily want to think of my chicken sandwich in this way, like it's playing at the park, but you can do that. Uh, Maybe in this COVID season, you're spending a lot of time on technology, and you're just getting tired of holding your phone. Because there might be actual seconds of the day when your phone isn't in front of your face because your arm is tired. Well, you can get this neck pillow phone holder. And uh, that's going to be a great thing, $21. Um, it's been that kind of year. And we need a Breathe With Me Barbie. I think that just, says, that just says enough. You know, your kids need to just sit down and breathe with Barbie a little bit, Nineteen ninety-nine. Um, maybe you're looking for a little COVID entertainment. This is called a self-contained nanny. It has 17 instruments. It plays 15,000 songs, which you would get tired of after probably two. And it's only $54,000, but it will fill your home with joy. Uh, Maybe you're looking for that workstation, since you're working at home, everybody's working at home. This is the emperor workstation, appropriately enough, and uh, it's only $21,500, but this is a way to get your kids there locked in, in front of their homework, because I'm sure there would be no gaming that goes on there. And last but not least, this is a big one, you can purchase an acre of land on the moon, $29.95, Twenty-nine ninety-five, 95 and the website, it's called Lunarland, and they bill themselves as the world's most recognized celestial real estate agency. I don't know that I recognize any of them, but I don't know why they have the authority to even do this or how they could sell property on the moon, but there's a few gift ideas for you. Now, I have to be honest. As a kid, and I think as with most kids, I adopted a certain posture in December, And a posture that was shaped by the song that told us that he saw us when we were sleeping. He knew when we were awake, and he knew if we'd been bad or good. So we had to be good, not for goodness sake, but we had to be good because we were angling to get that gift. I knew I had to adjust my behavior to get the treasure that I wanted. And I think as adults, we kind of take a similar posture in our faith. I think our faith can become a way that we try and get the treasures that we want out of life. It's this idea, if I live this way, if I do this thing, if I pray this prayer, then I will, and we could fill in the blank, I will be successful, or I will be safe, or I will have the life that I've always wanted. But we want to talk about today this idea that Jesus isn't how we acquire treasure. He is our treasure. Jesus isn't how we acquire treasure. He is our treasure. You see, our faith too often is used as a means to an end. But the goal is not to use Jesus. The goal is Jesus. And we need to seek his face and not just his hands. Last week, we kicked off a new Advent series, and we're calling it Emmanuel, God with us. And it comes from Matthew chapter 1, which is quoting Isaiah chapter 7. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And last week, Steve talked to us about God and who God was. And he used Zachariah's prophecy and Mary's amazing song and talked about how God is one that just requires worship and how they knew this God. And today we're going to talk about with, and we're going to be in John chapter 1. And as we read this passage and we hear spoken of the Word, know that that is Jesus. In verse 1, it says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. Now, if we go down to verse 10, it says, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He was full of grace and truth. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The Word became flesh and lived among us. And it doesn't just mean that this is some guy who has a house in our neighborhood. It really means that that Jesus came to be with us, not just live somewhere on earth, but to be with us, have relationship with us, have communion with us, With us. And this is how it's been. It's been planned like this all along. This was the plan from the beginning. In Genesis, we see that God walked with His creation. And at the end of this story, when everything is going to be restored, we see that God's home is going to be with His people. But we live in between. And we know that sin has caused a separation. And so God's plan for restoration wasn't to send us a list of rules. It wasn't do's and don'ts to get us from the naughty list back to the nice list. He sent us his son to be with us. And this is why we celebrate Christmas, God with us. But we don't always live in this posture. And whether it's through our upbringing or our church background or self-preservation, we've learned to live differently. Author Sky Jatani talks about different postures that we take as it relates to faith and as it relates to God. And we choose one or more of these postures because we believe that they offer control or they'll keep us from being fearful in this life or they will store meaning. And I want to spend a few minutes talking through some of these postures because I think we'll see ourselves in them. And as a matter of fact, I see myself oftentimes in a lot of these, sometimes the combo platter of the, all of these. And if we can think of these as kind of being further out and getting closer to where we need to be. And the first posture is this. Sometimes we live life over God. And this way of living has become increasingly popular in our post Christian world. And it's this idea that science has led us beyond God, that there are natural laws that govern the universe and the universe is a machine. And we just need to figure out how that machine works. So we look for proven formulas or controllable outcomes. Now we can still use the Bible and we still use the Bible to find certain principles, but they're, they're more principles to succeed, not pathways to relationship. We want three steps to raising obedient children. If it were that easy. We want five steps to financial stability. We want seven steps to our best life now. And there's quite a market for these principles out there. There's a book out right now called Jesus CEO, where someone has looked at Jesus and taken business principles from his life that guarantee success in your business. Now, the addition of biblical principles to scientific ones leads to a certain level of frustration with the Bible. When you try to apply scientific certainty to biblical principles, it doesn't work. They they aren't the same. Scientific principles don't translate to the mysteries of God. And so people who live out this posture begin to rely more and more on scientific principles and less and less on biblical ones. And in the end, life over God ends up as life without God. Now, another posture that maybe brings us a little bit closer to where we, we should be is life from God. And in this posture, we want God's blessing and gifts, but we aren't particularly interested in God himself. It's this, if we want God on our own team, but we still want to be the captain of that team. And this faith practice is fueled by consumerism. And as with everything else in a consumeristic society, God's value is determined by his usefulness. Like, God, what have you done for me lately? And maybe a really good example of this would be the prodigal son, the one who wanted all of his father's inheritance without his father, and how disrespectful it is to ask for the inheritance while the father is still alive. And this posture is honestly appealing to us because it doesn't really ask us to change much. It just seeks to comfort us as a way of distracting us from all of the other problems in this world. It's a distraction from the trouble. It wants to comfort us. It's the equivalent of when you turn up your headphones to drown out the noise around you. I had this car several years ago that had this really bad sound in the engine, and I tried to have it fixed, and nothing seemed to work, and I didn't want to spend a whole lot of money. So my solution to this engine sound was to just turn the radio up. The louder I had the radio, the less I could hear the engine sound, and the more I could go on with driving without feeling like something was really bad. But here's the thing. Distraction is not the same as deliverance. And we seek and settle for lesser things. And many people who live this posture end up leaving the church because they, they find that they can achieve these things and acquire these things without the help of God. And so that's not a great posture either, this life from God. But if we move a little bit closer, we get to life under God. And this, this kind of posture sees God in terms of cause and effect formulas. If we obey his command, he blesses our lives, he blesses our family. He blesses our nation. And our primary role is to determine what God approves of or disapproves of, and then work diligently to kind of remain within that framework. And this bargain that we make with God kind of makes us feel good about ourselves. It moves us from passive observer to participant. And it even helps us kind of understand some of the complex things, at least we think so. Helps us control unpredictable forces as we offer rituals and morality to receive kind of our payment for how we're acting. Right, we think if I obey God's commands, if I devote myself to his work, then I'll have joy and peace and contentment and fulfillment. But is this true? I mean, has life verified this assumption. Because what happens when we live right and everything still goes wrong? Stevie Johnson uh, was a wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Several years ago, it was a playoff game uh, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, go Steelers. And it was overtime, 40 yards away from the end zone, the quarterback drops this beautiful pass right into Stevie's arms and he drops it. And they end up losing the game. And afterwards, he tweeted this out. He tweeted, I praise you 24-7. And this is how you do me? You expect me to learn from this? How? I'll never forget this. Ever. Now, what was Stevie Johnson saying by this? He, He was saying this. God, I praise you. I worship you. You help me catch touchdown passes. That's the bargain that he had with God. He had this formula. And sometimes we blame God when we behave well and we feel like he doesn't come through because we think obedience plus integrity equals blessing. Unless we look at the lives of actual people in scripture. Maybe even Joseph in the New Testament, we see obedience plus integrity equals running for your life, equals becoming a refugee, equals getting the side eye from Mary's family for the rest of your life. And the irony of this posture is that we're living under God while at the same time trying to exert control over God. At the root of this posture is not an attempt to reestablish relationship with God, but rather an attempt to overthrow Him and take His place. Now, there's there's another posture that maybe even brings us closer to where we want to be, and this is life for God. And this posture is all about the mission, that God has a goal and we need to carry it out. We're either on mission or we're an obstacle to the mission. And this is a very celebrated religious posture because those who are capable of accomplishing the most receive honor and receive admiration, and they're the ones that get to share the testimonies with us. And usually we're trying to lead people from these other postures, from from under or, or life from God, and we're trying to lead them to this idea of life for God because we must accomplish the mission. We should be like Paul. We should be sold out. We should be traveling the world. We should be experiencing persecution and we should be sharing the gospel. But sadly, this posture ends up being less about relationship and all about the mission. This posture is all about what can I accomplish for God? Our accomplishments end up being the foundation of our value, which almost always leads to disappointment. We're almost always disappointed with ourselves because we could be doing more, for God. I should be doing this for God. The list never ends. There's always things we could be doing for God. And I hear this all the time when I talk to high school seniors or students in college who feel like, oh, I just feel so guilty taking a secular profession when I should be on mission overseas doing this, doing that. And this posture can be dangerous because it sounds right. It sounds like what we should be living into. You see, mission is important. But mission doesn't supersede relationship with God. If we place mission first, our priorities are out of whack. You see, mission dominated Paul's life, but it did not define him. Our relationship with Jesus should precede and anchor our service for him. Now, those four different postures that we just talked about are like Or like living on a treadmill where the speed just keeps getting turned up and you keep going faster and faster and faster and you keep wearing yourself out more and more and more and yet you never reach any type of destinations. Now, don't hear me wrong. There are good things to those postures. We should be on mission. We have our life from God. We should be living under His commands. But when they become disconnected from life with God, then they lead to a dangerously flawed view of Jesus, ourselves, and what it means to be a disciple. They don't give us a full picture of who God is and who we are supposed to be. We need a higher, more beautiful vision than these four postures. We shouldn't settle for a less satisfying relationship than the one we are created for. And so at Christmas, that's why we celebrate Emmanuel. That's why we read in John chapter 1, he moved into the neighborhood. He dwelt among us so that we could have life with him. The other postures seek to use God for some other goal as a means to an end. But life with God means that God's the goal. Jesus is not how we acquire treasure. Jesus is our treasure. Jesus didn't come to just tell us the answers to life's questions. He is the answer. And we can live life with And so I want to talk about, for just a few minutes in closing, what it looks like to live life with God and how can we practice this withness. First of all, life with God requires surrender. We need to surrender control, surrender our false postures, our desires to manipulate, to be first. You see, at some point in our lives, our plan for us and God's plan for us will be in conflict. And what are we going to do in those moments? What posture are we going to take? Who will we trust? When we live life with God, there will still be those moments where we want to grab hold and we want to take control because it doesn't seem like our plan is coming to fruition. And those are the moments where we decide if we're going to be a consumer or if we're going to be a disciple. And so we practice witness by surrender, one day and every day. There's that first time that we surrender to God and we surrender our lives to Him. And then we surrender our lives to Him every day from there on out. Every day we surrender to Him. We surrender to the mystery, to the unpredictability, to the beauty. Life with God also establishes our identity. You see, life with God is the end of working to achieve our value and our position. All the other postures that I talked about, they tell us what we accomplish is more important than who we are. They say that if if we accomplish these things, then God loves us. And Jesus says, "No, no, I love you. Now go do and live and be in all of these amazing things. We've gotten the verdict before our performance. A couple of weeks ago, Rob Basham talked to us from Romans 8. It's bookended with, there's no condemnation and nothing can separate us from the love of God. God sees us that way. And it's more about his character and less about our behavior. It's all about his character and not at all about our behavior. And when we have that view of ourselves, then we can practice this witness in a whole new way with a whole new confidence. We oftentimes talk about spiritual disciplines. And I think it's one of those terms that sometimes takes the air out of the room and that fills us with, with guilt. We talk about prayer and, and time in the word and fasting and giving and solitude. And those are sometimes things that, that we do, but they could be empty rituals or we do them because we feel guilty. But with this kind of identity already established, it returns the power and the passion to the form. When we have this confidence that this is how God sees us, then we can lean in. And the more that we lean in, the more that our identity is confirmed, and the more that we want to lean in and participate in the witness of life with God. Henry Nouwen says this, why is it so important that you are with God and God alone? It's important because it's the place in which you can listen to the voice of the one who calls you the beloved. My beloved daughter, my beloved son, my beloved child. To pray is to let that voice speak to the center of your being, to your guts, and let that voice resound in your whole being. God loves us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be have a relationship that's like Adam and Eve just walking in the garden. And we want to begin to practice that presence. My office recently has been in my daughter's bedroom. She's away at college, so I've set up this table. And I have my chair and a little stool next to me. And recently I've just been like, "Okay, Jesus, that's your stool. I know he doesn't need a stool. And I do feel guilty when I put something there or when someone comes and sits on that stool. But I try to just practice. You want to be with me all day. We're going to just sit together. And be together. That's the kind of relationship when I understand that he wants to be with me, it spurs that on for me. We can have this. You see, life with God does not begin at death. This life that we live, it's not just the waiting room. It's not like Christmas Eve and we're like, okay, Christmas is coming. And that's when all the good stuff happens. Eternity is now. Life with God begins now. And we can continue that. And finally, life with God gives us hope. We have hope in his presence. Matthew twenty-eight twenty, Jesus says, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We are never alone. Now, this does not mean that we get earthly safety. God's presence and the hope that we have doesn't mean everything's gonna go well for us. Isaiah 43 is this beautiful passage where God says, fear not, I will be with you. And then he says, in deep waters in rivers of difficulty, in fires of oppression, and even in 2020, I will be with you. I am with you in all of these things. And that gives us hope. When we ask God, where are you? Or how do, how do I know that God is with me? We know because his word says. We know because that's his character. We know because his spirit is in us. We know that his very name is Emmanuel. And so life with God offers hope, not just wishful thinking, not unfounded optimism, but this hope that is a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls, this hope that allows us to put one foot in front of the other, this hope that allows us to shine in dark times, this hope that is the assurance that the chaos of this world does not win. It's the hope of knowing that God is in control, his purpose will stand, and he is always with us. Jesus isn't how we acquire treasure. He is our treasure. And the beauty of life with God is that this treasure can't be taken away from us. And it is the source of our life. I want to close with this. As we look forward and have hope, the beauty of this hope that we see in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. It says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. It's the plan that was from the beginning. It's how we can live now. And that is the hope that we have in the future of life with God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we celebrate Emmanuel, a God who is with us. Thank you that we don't have to prove ourselves or perform for your love, but that you love us and that we can live with you. So give us the courage to surrender daily. Give us the courage to lean into what it looks like to be with you. Give us eyes to see when we try and live from a different posture than the right posture. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.